Welcome to That Might Be Cool. I'm Jason Hammonds. And I'm Chase Anderson. And joining us today is a man who knows minutes more than any mother... Ma- mother... <laughs> I couldn't think of another word to put out of it. Put after it that started with an M, but the marvelous Scott Corelli. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. <laughs> uh, Scott's joining us on loan from DuelingGenre.com, uh, where today we're going to be diving into the uh, first entry into the Marvel Cosmic Universe in this uh, cinematic incarnation. Uh, it's uh, This was maybe the surprise hit of the entire MCU. This yes. was maybe the largest... Uh, who the hell saw that coming? Of, yes. That even still, there has not been one that anyone was like more surprised by, I think. And in case you haven't read your podcatcher already, the movie is Guardians of the Galaxy. I come from Earth, a planet of outlaws. My name is Peter Quill. There's one other name you might know me by. Star-Lord. Who? Well, Star-Lord, man. Legendary outlaw. Guys... Forget it. Who? Cue the trailer. <laughs> uh, yeah, this one. And also, so you know, Scott, we every time, whenever the movie said for the first time, that's when the, the, the trailer for the movie plays on the audio. So, that's, ah. that's, so you, you, this is the first time anyone's ever beat me to the punch. <laughs> nice. So you cued it. Although that was, I liked, I like coming back in from who. I think that that'll, that's for the listeners. That'll probably be a very fun experience. <laughs> yeah, you know, they go. They have the. Trailer, <laughs> I was waiting the, the whole time. I didn't say then, anything. I was just like, I'm gonna say it. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. Gonna uh, man, this movie is fun. Yeah, you know, I we, you know, I was on for First Avenger uh, a little yeah. a little bit ago, just and, a week ago or so. Yeah, yeah, feels and like forever. I know. And, uh, you know, I talked about how I, I probably watch that more than any other movie in phase one. Yeah. Um, this movie I rewatch more than any other movie in the MCU. Wow. This is the one I watch the most. This is the one that I'll just, if I'm like in a mood for a Marvel thing, uh, nine times out of 10, this is the movie yeah. I'm putting on. Specifically yeah. the first one. See, it's funny. My, my most watched one is also in phase two, but it's Winter Soldier. Ah, yeah. interesting. I, I don't watch Winter Soldier because I, I guess, because I I I can appreciate mm-hmm. m- more serious sort of like you know yeah I I don't know how you would describe Winter Soldier but like psychological espionage-y. thriller espionage yeah. whatever but it's a very self serious movie sure um, and I I can appreciate those you know it's got the same kind of vibe that like The Dark Knight has mm. you know mm-hmm. where it does take itself very seriously and yeah. it, it it is very good it it earns that seriousness yeah but for rewatchability I always go toward the fun ones yeah so it's it's stuff like uh, like the first Captain America or Guardians of the Galaxy or the Ant Man movies like yeah. those are the ones that are my go to like rewatch movies i agree i did watch this movie when it first came out fun fact this is the first uh blu-ray uh marvel movie i ever bought look at oh. you and it was the one i was getting really into it i remember when it came out i saw the trailer and i loved it i loved it so much i talked yeah. all my friends that didn't want to see it into going to see it and it was amazing and they were they didn't want to admit it but it was is an amazing show and I, yeah. I did watch this quite a lot because it seems like this is the first movie in the mcu that they kind of took more of a, a fun like uh, you know, a softer tone, I guess. Yeah. More yeah. of a comedic um, approach. Yeah, to it. for sure. And I, for I sure. love that because, um, especially in Phase Two, all the movies kind of had their own genre. Yeah, that's why I think, um, despite you know Thor Two being in this, 
in the phase two, but phase two had the most diverse uh, genre wise mm-hmm. before they started becoming a little Marvel bit movies, yeah. you know. Yeah. So that's why I, I love this movie because it was the first one to kind of start doing to go that. wildly different from wildly the established. Different, you know, yeah. you know, characters, a comic book that almost nobody knew. Yeah. Well, I guess your casual moviegoer fan. Well, it's like even. Even a lot of comic book fans really had no point of reference for the Guardians of the Galaxy. It's like there had been a good run, but like, you know, it's it's not like that run sold gangbusters. You know what I mean? Right. It was just a run that a lot of people appreciated. Yeah. Um, But yeah, this. It was a, it was a, like that, that first, uh, that, that uh, Abnett Landing Guardians Mm. run was like, you know how like there are certain comic book artists that are like an artist artist. Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy was like whatever you would call that as for like comic book series. Yeah, like, that's what that was. It yeah. was like it was like not a lot of people knew about it, but the people who did were like, "Dude, yeah, this is this is the shit." Yeah, because it led directly into like Nova, right? Or was yep. Nova first? I think it led directly into Nova, if I'm remembering yeah. right. But I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent certain on the timeline of all that, like annihilation and like all right, that sort right. of. Stuff. But that that was like that was a huge thing in comic yeah. books at the time. Well, it was the, it was the thing because at the time, Civil War, the comic event Civil War, was the big blockbuster and right. stuff. And so when Civil War was going on, all of the cosmic stuff, they were like, "Well, what are we going to do this whole time?" You know, like we got to do something. You know, right. we're not going to tie into Civil War, but like we should do something fun. And so they were just kind of off playing in their own corner, doing this big event annihilation and like leading into it. Right. And everyone that like wasn't really in on Civil War but still wanted to like read Marvel comics was like. All right, yeah, hell yeah, I'm I'm in for this like big yeah. popcorn space action. Yeah, um, yeah, and 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 it's so it's it's kind of a, a funny thing like that trailer dropped, and even for me, I it took a few years before I actually like I didn't start reading all that old Guardian stuff and even Annihilation until after this movie was coming. Oh, like okay. when I heard about this movie was when I was like Guardians of the Galaxy. What the hell, are Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah, um, it was I think actually on our first podcast we started talking about Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one we ever recorded, uh, they, the one that we never aired. Is that the one you were talking about? The, no, we aired it. It was just on a, the wrong feed. Or no, yeah, no, sorry. Not the one we never aired. The The first one that aired that was on a different feed than we ended up being on for most of our run. This is riveting for all the listeners. Riveting. Yeah, yeah, anyway. yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah, so we, we, like, when we first, they first released that giant, like, you know, this is all the movies we're doing until 2020 or whatever yeah. the hell. Um, was that that long ago that it was Guardians of the Galaxy was yeah. on that announcement list? Yeah. Yeah, because it came. It was San Diego Comic-Con 2012, because it was right after Avengers. That's right. Actually, so yeah, so then actually this is, so we, that was announced before we ever did our podcast, but when I first started getting into the stuff and and hearing about Guardians of the Galaxy was when I went back and read Annihilation, read Guardians, read Nova and stuff like that. Um, And so, but yeah, when when I first heard of it, I was like, I have no idea who Guardians of the Galaxy are. I don't know what they're supposed to be like i had no concept of them and so obviously even for me being someone who had read comics and had a, an establishing for it still not knowing it was interesting to see everyone else in the world basically look at it almost as an original property like yeah. it was just a new original space movie yeah. really my when i first heard about this movie i was working at the movie theater yeah i, I know i say that every time i talk about <laughs> every movie oh, when a movie came out because um, yeah, I was at um, the same one I worked at with Jason before it'll be he started working there. It'll be interesting when we get to the first one that came out after you were working at a movie theater. Yeah, that it will be a little bit interesting. But uh, so there was rumors because uh, it was Avengers that came out. No, you were working there, obviously, because uh, Avengers came out. You might have left. Oh yeah, I was far gone by this point. But uh, let's see. 
there was rumors about this before yeah. it even you know was saying they're like oh uh, Vin Diesel's gonna be in it they were having talks with him yeah and they were like what is this new movie gonna be it's uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and there were people saying that it was a fully animated movie what? <laughs> did anybody else hear those rumors I do not remember that no, no, I don't no. know if if the the listeners out here if they know anything please email yeah, in us. because I would really like to know if I'm not the only person that heard that yeah yeah Mandela yeah. effect yeah yeah so it was. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, they, they were talking about it. They're like, yeah, yeah, they're doing this far out wild space thing yeah. with a talking tree. And I was like, I don't know what Guardians oh, of the Galaxy Oh, maybe they were like, are, they, like really animated cool. in the sense that Avatar is animated, where it's like mostly motion capture, like yeah, CG. Maybe. I don't know. Well, we, yeah. at, us at the theater were talking about it. They're like, yeah, it's going to be an animated movie. And I was like, how is that going to, that's going to be weird. It's not a superhero movie. Yeah. Because it's not Captain America, Iron Man, Hulk, or <laughs> yeah. Thor, yeah. or the Avengers. I like, I listed just all of them. All of them. Um, it's Guardians of the Galaxy. That's not superheroes yeah. but it is you know a comic book superhero this. team and that's what i like too actually about this movie is it's the first one that's not about a superhero yeah you know it's just about some dudes in space yeah. um which is cool uh this movie at the box office made uh 773.3 million which uh to that point had been one of the largest successes in the universe i'm not sure if there was a movie predating it that did better um there was not yeah this was except for the avengers Right. Outside of the Avengers, this was the second highest grossing uh, Marvel movie at the time it came out. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, this movie has uh, a very positive uh, reception, especially compared to anything other than Avengers at the time. It was 91% critics' uh, approval on Rotten Tomatoes, mm-hmm. and 92% of the audience uh, loved this movie. So this was, again, like... The surprise, Beloved. Yeah, like surprise isn't enough. And I mean, everyone knows it, but like it's just wild to look at like compared to... Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3, even the first Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, all this stuff. Like, this movie that no one knew anything about ended up being the one that, like, borderline rivaled Avengers with its success. Yeah. Um, Do you think that this is one of the biggest risks? Because coming sh- straight yeah. off of Avengers and superheroes, they go straight to cosmic? Well, and not just, not just a risk from the, like, conceptually a risk, but, but also a risk because who the hell was Chris Pratt before Yeah, this? and who the hell exactly. was James Gunn? Yeah, he was the schlubby guy from, from Parks and Rec. He was not a star. Mm-hmm. And James Gunn had only made, like, super low budget. Like, the movie he made and right weird before movies. this was Super. super yeah. um, which cost, like, le- under five, yeah. right? It oh, was, yeah. like, a, a tiny movie. A no-budget movie about, like, kind of a psychopath. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's not the obvious choice. No. Let alone, I mean, even looking through the supporting cast, it's like Dave Batista, yeah. weird choice. He'd like, never acted before. Yeah. The safest choice in this movie is maybe Zoe Saldana. Right. Like, and that's crazy, you know, because even at the time, Zoe Saldana, like, she had done Avatar, but, like, people hadn't necessarily really started to know her face quite yet. Yeah, no, no, people had, but she still wasn't a star, because, no. like, all the movies that she led didn't do very well. Yeah. Um, and they kept trying to make her a star, but it kept not really happening. Yeah, that's true. Um, and uh, so she was probably the biggest name other than, like, Vin Diesel, I guess. Yeah, um, but that doesn't even... But that doesn't really count. Are you guys forgetting about Bradley, Bradley Cooper? Cooper? B. Coops. Because it was going to be, like... Uh, uh, well, also, about the two biggest names, but Bradley but Cooper, also voice yeah, yeah voice Bradley still. Cooper was cast way late in the game. Like it was, it was like three months before the movie, the, the trailer dropped yeah. before we knew who that Bradley Cooper was playing Rocket yeah. Raccoon. Yeah, um, it might have even been like right before the trailer dropped, like three months out from the movie. Yeah, um, it was really late, and then Bradley Cooper didn't really do a lot of uh, of uh, press for it. Yeah, I think I think I don't know if he did any. I don't even remember if he was at the premiere. 
I think he was. I feel like I remember him being that, but it could be Guardians 2 that I'm remembering. Yeah, Who he knows? was more involved on Guardians 2, for yeah. sure. Um, yeah, it's it's fascinating. I, 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 it's it's always just one of those things where I think this is where Marvel really learned the lesson of how they were going to run their universe, which, and I think Incredible Hulk is the antithesis of this movie. Incredible Hulk was the movie where they did everything they were quote-unquote supposed to do. Yeah. They hire an action movie director. They hire a big-time movie star. They give him a lot of control. Yeah. They have a big third-act fight. You know, yeah. like, it's shot like an action movie. It feels like an action movie. You know, and that was the movie that obviously tanked for them. Like, that's their least successful movie they've ever made, yeah. next to Captain America, the first Avenger. Uh-huh. Uh, but, but yeah, and so I, I think this is the movie where they go, well, look, the safe choice, you know, has not ever worked out for us. You know, the the obvious and safe choice has never been the one that we've that we've capitalized on. So I think this is where they start going, let's take some chances. Yeah. You know, give it a slightly lower budget than we give most of our movies, you know, just to sort of hedge our bets and make the, the you know, number crunchers, the bean counters happy. Uh, but, you know, it, it, again, it, it paid off really well for them. Um, I think the biggest thing, and I mean, it, like we're jumping all over the map in terms of checklists, but... Best performance in this movie, I think, easily goes to Chris Pratt, right? Yeah. yeah. This is actually the role for me that, mm-hmm. I mean, got me into Parks and Rec, uh, <laughs> essentially. But, yeah, Chris Pratt is, I don't know, uh, he probably one of, like is my favorite actor. Yeah. One of them, at least. He's at the top of the list. And I've, I've loved him in everything, and I've rewatched Parks and Rec 80,000 times. Yeah. But I've watched this movie, too, a lot. And uh, I... Yeah, this is the movie that made him, launched him into the superstar that he is now. Is he, in this movie, is he both best performance and rising star? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. he's both. Yeah. It's, he's both. It's wild how how quickly the dumpy dude from Parks and Rec can become the yeah. sexiest man. No, it's 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 insane. I remember when that first trailer hit and it was ripped Chris Pratt. And yeah, they showed him with like, shirt off. What the hell? Like every because he's just the schlubby guy from Parks and Rec. Yeah. Like that's what everyone knew him from. And I knew him all the way back to I didn't go all the way to I think was it One Tree Hill that he was on or the, another one. But it I think I think it was something it was One like Tree that. Hill. I didn't quite go back that far, but he was on the OC. Yeah, and that's the first time I ever saw him was on the OC. Oh, and yeah. I was like, I was like, oh, I like this guy. He's yeah. funny. And then he was on Parks and Rec, and I was like, oh, I'm going to check this show out. It's from the Office People, and that yeah. that dude from the OC is in it. And then and it's in Indiana, right yeah, in your neck of the woods. That's true. Um, not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. Uh, and then uh, I and then just seeing that trailer with him as the lead in this movie and he's just ripped yeah and he's got a han solo energy yep um i mean it's it's like han solo mixed with like i don't know something else yeah um there, there's chris pratt yeah chris pratt i guess <laughs> yeah uh, it, is, it is sort of there's a level of incompetence that comes into it that yeah. han solo never quite had right in a in a a he the incompetence is the same mm. but the difference is that Chris Pratt, or I guess Star Lord, isn't in denial about yeah, his incompetence. Fair. He kind of knows. <laughs> whereas, it. like, whereas, like Han Solo was like, "No, yeah. everything's fine. Whatever." That's true. Yeah, Chris Pratt knows he's incompetent, but wants everyone else to think he's competent. Whereas Han Solo doesn't really know he's incompetent. Right. Yeah. Right. That's true. Yeah. yeah. I feel it. Um, he's more lucky. I think, <laughs> yeah. Than uh, Star Lord is lucky shot. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, no. Chris Pratt in this is is so good. I mean, this you yeah. watch this movie and you're like, oh yeah, this is why he became a movie star. Yep. Uh, just immediately. And then like, you know, back to back with this in Jurassic World, which was like also a huge movie. Yeah. Um, and it was just like, yeah, no, I mean, this guy's going to be around forever now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's just, he's, he'll always be there. He'll do yeah. passengers. Um, <laughs> the, the, the thing, so the thing with this movie, the, the part where it gets weakest for me, uh, and this, you know, sort of talking about the larger MCU, 
I think this is also one of the cases where, as much as it is such a good movie, the connection to the larger MCU bogs down the plot of this movie. Mm-hmm. That's it, right. You hate Thanos in this movie. I don't like Thanos in this movie. And I, I you know... I think I think whatever whatever it may be, this movie has a villain problem. Uh-huh. Uh, We've I, talked about this before. Yeah, we I, we talked about this recently. Yeah. Scott's Scott's contention is that Ronan's the unnecessary component. I've always felt Thanos is the unnecessary component. However, I do see your argument for it, and I, I I don't know if I agree, but one of those dudes should not be in this movie. Yeah. So my argument that uh, that Ronan is the problem, not yeah. Thanos, is that Thanos has a direct connection to Gamora and Drax. Yeah, and that is a really good point. And so if anyone needs to go, it's Ronan, because Ronan does not have a connection yeah. to any of them. Yeah, no one really knows or cares about him in this movie, so right. you, you might, you've I, probably I, I think that if you took Ronan out of this movie and had saved him for a Captain Marvel sequel, yeah. I think that would have been a better use of that character. Yeah. Um, but... In this, like, it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense why he's here. Yeah, he's and he's so cool looking too. Like before the movie came out, I was stoked for Ronan because I thought his his visuals were just incredible. Like I love that character design. Yeah, and there's like a couple of those sequences where I'm like, hell yeah, this dude's dope, and I love yeah. Lee Pace. Uh, I, mean, I think Lee Pace is good as Ronan. I, he does I really a good job. do. He just he has just nothing does, to do. He just has nothing to do. Exactly. Yeah. He does a really good job with what he's got. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. I'm actually different than both of you guys. I like that we all have different opinions on this. I was completely okay with it. You know, having Thanos in there and having Ronan. Because I liked Thanos in there. Thanos. How do you guys pronounce it? I say Thanos. I know you're more of a Thanos guy. Thanos. I don't know Scott is. Who are you? What are you doing? I go back and forth. Same. Yeah, I, yeah. Anyway, I like Thanos because it, it gives him something to do. Um, not a whole lot, but it's enough that it's like, oh, there's Thanos. He's going to be the big bad guy yeah. soon. It's going to happen soon because I remember it's like it's going to be in a long time. Mm, yeah. But Ronan is kind of the guy. He's a throwaway villain. He is. And uh, he's good enough for what the role he played was. Right. And I was like, he was good. I didn't have anything to do. But it was more about Thanos and Gamora and yeah. Nebula. Right. A lot of people, right. she was kind of like the, you know, the minion to Ronin. Yeah. It is a weird dynamic of how yeah. they did that, but I think uh, like, they needed a, a villain to beat at the end. Yes. If it was Thanos, then they'd have nothing to do. Right, right, right. Yeah. I mean, my argument was that, like, I think Thanos needs to be a, a presence in the movie, and that's why if you're not, I don't think you f- have them fight Thanos directly. I think that would be ridiculous because you couldn't have yeah. them win. Yeah, of course. Um, it would have to be like his underlings. Like I like I think it would be cool if it was like the daughters of Thanos, mm. and so it was like Nebula and like maybe another sister. Yeah, that okay. are are fight are like trying to get uh, Gamora back and also get the stone and like yeah. all of that stuff. Yeah, I think that would have been a stronger choice than Ronan because again, Ronan just doesn't have any connection whatsoever to any of the characters. Well, I like that uh, if you go back to uh, the Avengers where, you know, they kind of want this overarching uh, narrative that Thanos is pulling the strings, right. you know, and he's having other people do his work. So he has right. Loki do his thing in Avengers, and then he's like, I'll have Ronan do this. And for some reason, he doesn't want to do it himself. Right. Um, so I think that's kind of what they wanted to do was have him playing a, a chess game against yeah. the the galaxy. Yeah. But you could do that with characters that matter to the protagonist. Yeah. You know, true. like the reason that Loki works so well in Avengers is because he's Thor's, Thor's brother. brother. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it would have been interesting if, if instead of Ronan it was like another sister. Yeah. It was like uh, Nebula and another sister. Yeah. Yeah. Or even I mean as much as like it's important for Nebula to kind of have that that heel turn at the end, it would have been interesting just to have that role be Nebula. Yeah. Um Sure. Yeah, I 
I don't know. Yeah, there's just there's there's just the, there's a there's one too many ingredients. You know what in it could you know what it would have been good is uh, like an older sister, like a sister yeah. who's fully a hundred percent on board with Thanos, mm-hmm. and then Nebula is the younger sister, and so she's looking at her two older sisters and is like, which one do I want to yeah. be like? Yeah. I think that would have been a really That's strong a really emotional dynamic. connection. Yeah, yeah no, I, I agree. But yeah. Um, yeah, I think they also like he's Cree, and they wanted to introduce different races. Mm-hmm. So like they they introduced sure. the Cree, and well, but they could even they do that. Really done anything with the Cree since then? Yeah, I mean, Until Captain, Captain Marvel, Marvel or yeah. Agents yeah. of Shield, they use them a lot. <laughs> yeah, um, but that we're not going to. Yeah, we, that. it doesn't count. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think what's what's her name in Infinity War? The the uh, the daughter uh, of Thanos that shows up there. The one from the leftovers. Um, sure, yeah, the yeah. Hickman run person. Wait, the yeah. children of Thanos? Yeah, there's yeah. Corvus Glaive. There's a Proxima uh, Midnight. Proxima Midnight. Yeah, Proxima yeah. Midnight, like if she yeah. had been the the primary villain Carrie, in this movie, Carrie Coon. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, she even that character existed back in 2014 because you said they're really new. They're fairly new. That is, it's probably a close call. That's actually a really good point. Yeah, they might not have existed. Close call. Yeah, Yeah. that would have been. Yeah, that would have been like a year after that came out. Probably. Yeah. That would have been really cool to have Proxima Midnight and then have her return in Infinity War. Totally. Because those guys came out of nowhere. Right. That's my biggest complaint with that movie. Is like. It's yes. the same Ronin 100%. problem. Like they need someone to beat. Oh, you know yeah. what my biggest problem with Infinity War is? At, sure. With, with as far as the the children of uh, the children of Thanos is concerned, uh, the dude, the creepy dude, the, the oh yeah, Edward Ebony Ma, guy. yeah, uh, Ebony Ma, yeah, yeah, uh, Ebony Ma, Ebony Ma is totally exactly the same character as the one that dies in Guardians. The other, the other, yep. That should have been Ebony Ma. Like, yeah, it, it should have just been Ebony Ma the whole time. Yeah, if yeah. that character had existed. Yeah, I mean, but in like, hindsight, yeah, in hindsight, like it's yeah. exactly the same character. Yeah, it's so silly. Hundred percent the same character. Yeah, and that, yeah, that's the thing is there's a lot of just like Thanos underling archetypes. Yeah. that it feels like would have been so much stronger had they been continuing characters. Yes. <laughs> yeah, oh, that would have been brilliant. Have yeah. each one of them have like a little role. Yeah, exactly. And then bring them all back. And then bring them all back. Like that would be great. That'd be incredible yeah. to have just like these little roles in these movies. Have them show up in Dark World or whatever. Have them show up in in Guardians. God, whatever. could you imagine if they did that and they never revealed that they're working for Thanos until? Oh, and they're like they they all show up and they're like, what the hell? And like yeah. we are the children of Thanos. Exactly. Exactly. And you're like, what? You're like, what like, the oh fuck? Oh my god! Yeah. Or if, if instead of the final "do it myself" yeah. scene, that that post credit scene after Age of Ultron, if it had been the three of them coming to Thanos and saying, "What you know? What what is your bidding? Or what's our next you yeah. know, mission? Or whatever type thing?" And then everyone's like, "Oh, they were. Oh my god! You know, yeah. like, yeah." Oh, that would have been so good, man. Man, let's rewrite the MCU. <laughs> I mean, there's there there's a lot of little a little things where it's like if there was like I appreciate all the connections that they have between these movies, but if they had like a little more yep. foresight yep. to like what the plans were, um, there there's so many things they could have done. Like uh, my biggest issue with Age of Ultron is that Ultron should have been set up in Iron Man three. A hundred percent. Ultron should have been set up in Iron Man 3 mm-hmm. as like the thing that he builds to replace him as Iron Man. Yep. And then we start Age of Ultron and the Thanos or uh, Thanos, the Ultron thing is yeah. going. Yeah. And that's who Iron Man is and that's, in the Avengers. That's always the tug of war with these movies. I think the longer we go on, the, the more we see this. The tug yeah. of war with these movies is how much do you allow the story of this movie to just be its own story and how much do you do you you know make it pull the weight of the universe mm-hmm. you know cuz then if you do that then there's no there's no question cuz like the one of the one of the biggest like um pet peeves i have about ultron is yep. that like he just quit yep. like tony just quit at the end of iron man 3 he quit yep yep, yep. 
why is he Iron Man again? Yeah. But if it had been Ultron from if the been, beginning... I developed Ultron, so I don't need to do this So I don't anymore. need to do it. And then yep. he has to put the suit back on because Ultron... Yep. Like, he's like, that's what I get for not... I thought I could yeah. hang it up. I can't hang it up. Because then it makes an incredible turning point yes. in, in Age of Ultron if halfway through the movie after... Like, Ultron almost is filling that role of Iron Man in those opening chase yeah. whatever scenes. And then halfway through the movie, Iron Man has to be like, oh, crap, things have just gone to the fire. I guess and I then, have to be Iron oh Man again. Oh, my God. And then he's going out on missions with the Avengers, Ultron is. Yeah. And he's realizing that he could do it better if he was just doing it all yeah, himself. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's having to, like, pick up their slack or, like, something like that. Oh. My God. See, the potential. I, I mean, look, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, of but, course. But, like, yeah. But also Kevin Feige, call us up. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> we'll re-release all your movies. <laughs> we'll refilm all of them. Um, <laughs> I mean... We will. We will. <laughs> if you want us yeah, to. Yeah, if anyone ever asked us to in some weird fantasy land, then yes, we will do that. Uh, no offense to every director who we greatly respect who's made these movies. Mm. I think the problem with that, though, I was thinking about it because you were coming up with all these great ideas, is uh, when you plant seeds like yeah. that, it's kind of like uh, a lot of directors, for the next movie, it kind of limits their scope. Sure. Kind of. Right. and. Well, the the plan doesn't work out. I mean, I, we've seen that in DC where they yeah. try to do that, and then the next director is like, "We don't want to do that," and we just throw right. it away. And, and then well, that plot see, threads dropped glory. Right. Here, and here is the thing: is that Marvel has figured out at this point that they need to treat their universe like a TV show, where directors are guns for hire. They come in to get their work done, get out, and the, it's it's good for these directors who aren't very established because then all of a sudden they can come back out and have you know enormous mm-hmm. deals with other production companies and actually be a big time director because of a Marvel movie. They need to have a writer's room that includes the directors. Yes. Where it's like all of the directors who are working in the next phase and all of the writers, they all get in a room together and they're like, okay, let's plan this out so that all of our movies play with each mm-hmm. other and are also what we want them to be. It would be tough to make that happen, though. I know. Because, I was thinking, I'm yeah. like, because wow, especially be... with the phases being six movies out, sure. Then you're having a director who's going to star in like five years, having to come in to do that. But that director's probably working on other stuff and has other stuff to happen, right? So then that means your price for those directors, you know, starts to go up because you have to pay their retainer for that time and then for the time they film the movie, sure. Which then goes, okay, why don't we just hire big name directors anyway? Yeah, you know, okay. And so it, that would be complicated. However, if you got all the writers together. But the writers, but that doesn't matter because as soon as you get a director together, they change everything. Well, they change certain things. In the MCU, they're not allowed as much to change. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think they still come in and they change a lot. I mean, because otherwise, what's the point? Why are you hiring a director? Sure. Well, that's, that's the problem with, that's, that's the problem, the problem. That's the problem. I'm air quoting. Yeah. With, with film is that it's a director's medium, not a writer's medium. Of course it is. But that's the thing is that the MCU is, it has, has started to become an exception to that. It's even though directors do put their, their stamp on it. Uh, and they do definitely, they change certain aspects about their movies when they come in. You know, I think obviously a big example would be Taika Waititi on Thor Ragnarok. Uh-huh. Even James Gunn, when he came on to Guardians, changed a lot from what Nicole Perlman had, by all accounts, apparently. Right. Uh, but that being said, they do still have much tighter limitations that they can play within in these movies, which is why they typically hire directors with much less clout now. Uh-huh. You know, because they learned that lesson from Edgar Wright, from Shane Black, from... Right. The people that they hired who did have more pull, right, uh, is that they are they have begun treating this more and more like a TV series where the writers and Kevin Feige and whoever you know the brain trust is at Marvel determine the direction. Then, and- then what you should do at least then is if you're so like uh, the Iron Man three thing, right? Yeah. So you have Iron Man three, you're, you're making Iron Man three. Joss Whedon knows what he's doing for Avengers two. So then have him and Shane Black talk. Yeah. And be like, what are you doing with Iron Man? Let's totally. figure this out. 
Yeah. You know, it's like you are he already, They already knew that Joss was coming back for Avengers two. Yeah. So like, have him talk to each of the of the filmmakers and like yeah. work with them with their scripts and the character arcs that they're taking on yeah. on, so that he knows where they're going to be. Yeah. In in Avengers: Age of Ultron, I do I do remember there was a quote from Joss Whedon after seeing. Uh, uh, like it was an early cut or something like that. Like his first time seeing Iron Man three, uh-huh. <laughs> and Joss Whedon, like directly after seeing it, there was some quote. I can't remember who got the quote or whatever, but it was him going, "What the hell am I supposed to do now?" Oh, <laughs> like ah, that's that's gotta be tough. Yeah. Um, See, I think that's uh, that that idea is cool, but it's kind of like a new concept to have two directors working on separate movies mm-hmm. together. It is a new concept. Like, uh, but like, if they could start like, you know, mm. figuring that out. Yeah. But yeah, but I don't think that the directors... Well, it needs to think, be like a baton pass. Yeah, well, here's the know? thing. Yeah, here's the thing for me. I think you basically, you, you get all your stories written, you know, for what, for what you're needing for this phase. At least you get your outlines done. And then when you're meeting with directors, mm-hmm. you know, to start, you know, taking on this project or whatever, you go, hey, here's the story that we have in mind. What is your take on it? What type of things would you like to sort of shift around, whatever, you know? And then basically you hired your director based on like how much you agree on that, right? And I'm sure there's an element of that that they're already doing at this point, you know? I think that that like phase three, I think, is a big example of like, oh, yeah, there's not too many things that they're having to retcon anymore, Mm -hmm. you know? When they talk to Ryan Coogler for Black Panther they realize he's the guy that they're most simpatico with on like where they both want to go and sort of aligning their visions. Mm-hmm. And same with Taika Waititi on Thor. Like, you know, and I'm sure like Taika obviously presented something new to them with the the-, the tone and everything of the movie, but then they go, oh, well that actually fits and we like that. So let's shift a little bit with the directions here. Like I kind of feel like they're hiring directors that are more stylistic directors rather than, you know, the storytelling. Yeah. Someone that can bring in a tone and, and a bit of like, a bit of a bit of tone, a bit of thematics to the movies that they or the stories that they already have in place. Yeah, because I mean, Ryan Coogler brought so much yeah. style and so so it's something so unique to Black Panther. Same with Taika Waititi. Yeah, and pretty much anything in the in the in phase, phase three. three is yeah, you know, it has like its that. own it has its own flavor as much as it also has its own sameness. Which which is also that's the other part of this that the detractor from it is like, you know, as as um, I can't remember which director was talking about it, but. There was a director talking about the reason they didn't sign on for a Marvel movie was because Marvel basically went, oh, don't worry about stunts. Don't worry about all that stuff. Like, we have our people. They'll handle that. And that director going, well, I'm a director. I want to do that. Like, that's yeah. my thing. But that is a very TV mindset, you know? Yeah. In TV, it's like, no, we have our stunt people because yeah. this director is coming in. They're going to do their thing and then they're going right. to leave. You know? And so I, I think that's the thing is finding finding that balance there. But, mm-hmm. but bringing in someone, like you say, who can actually introduce something new to your continuum without breaking the wheel. Right. Uh, it's it's all about just sort of a general cohesiveness yeah. that I would like to see more of. Yeah, where each chapter clearly sets up the next chapter, totally. at least in that character's yeah. world. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I think they I, do an okay job. Yeah, I think they've gotten to the point where now movies aren't directly interrupting other mm-hmm. movies; they right. aren't directly contradicting other movies. Except the 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 only exception to that is the beginning of Infinity War, kind of undoing most of Ragnarok a little bit. Yeah, you know, it's like they give Thor the eye, they destroy the ship they valkyrie's gone like right. yeah, well, I, f- I feel like uh well we've covered well we will cover yeah. a lot of that more but yeah this this episode's kind of turned into uh an mcu episode yeah. right? I mean, on a guardian of the galaxy yeah. a lot so of them, i don't know if you guys want to get re- yeah, yeah no and we'll go back because the thing is we've talked about most of it but let's let's uh let's go back um uh plot threads abandoned are there any are there any plot threads that have been abandoned from this movie or retconned or retconned 
I feel like there are, but I just can't remember. I mean, the orb stays pretty much the same. The collector yeah. doesn't end up playing as big of a role really in this universe as I think initially he was supposed to. Yeah. Um, like you get Benicio del Toro. It's kind of weird that he, his role is like maybe 10 minutes of screen time in this yeah. universe. He does a yeah, great job is, though. Yeah. This is the last Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and so I, I feel like that, like the collector's arc in general, was was somewhat abandoned. Um, but for the most part, the world building that this movie did, and I think part of that is because it was so successful that it gave them a bit more of a solid direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the world building that it did was was pretty adhered to. Um, you know, some of the Nova stuff, like it felt like there was some sort of promise there. I don't love the Nova stuff. I'll be yeah. honest, I don't at all because uh, it, it kind of takes away possibilities for. The, you know, a Nova movie because they're just like not even like a super powered uh, space force. They're just regular. They're yeah. just space cops. Yeah. 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 It's kind of it's lame. Yeah. It's yeah. like it's like the most boring version of the Green Lantern Corps. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Um, yeah. It's weird. But yeah, overall, I think they did a good job like keeping this movie sort of like cohesive with the rest of the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, Stanley cameo ranking. This is where he shows up as the old creep on the bridge with the, the two women. Yeah. yeah that's low. You don't rank that pretty low? Yeah. It's I don't know. It's not very cool i mean like they just make him a, a weird creep hitting on girls for but, some but you know like i'm okay with it because yeah. i hate what they do with him in the next one um this really? is the next one the watcher one yeah oh. yeah i hate that that's so stupid um i hate it uh, i think it's clever i think it's too much um it personally. is too much yeah it's too much personally Dude, i i i like that it's i like how chill it is because he didn't create the guardians of the galaxy he even so, says that he's yeah. like i don't know if i should do one because i had nothing to do with it yeah but uh they were like yeah you're stanley yeah yeah you're gonna be in all of them you're our good luck charm yeah um and and i and i like that I, so i like that it's like you create you created the marvel universe you're gonna get a cameo it's not gonna be a speaking one because the, whatever the next one isn't him as the watcher the next one is him in age of Ultron. no the next guardians movie oh the next guardians got yeah it. Okay. next guardians like, is the is the yeah is yeah the i feel one. you um yeah, yeah so I, I like that he doesn't talk because it's like yeah it's not a big cameo because mm-hmm. he didn't create these characters yeah so he's just there yeah um yeah i, I think this one it's about a middle of the road like yeah. it's kind of fun and interesting but yeah like maybe a four or five yeah ish i think that's fair um how about uh post credit scene uh rankings so we have we have a mid and post in this one uh this one i think one of them in particular is is what's are you can you can you give them to i'm us? trying to remember yeah, i'm like uh, i, I should you know this. you've so, watched it the most you should have them memorized by i don't now. i don't i don't watch the credit scenes when That's i'm true. rewatching them i don't even watch the third act i put it on and i watched the the first two acts, and then I fall asleep. So I don't think I've seen the ending. I've only seen it once in theaters. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we Bro. have... So it's it's the uh, the the first is Groot dancing to I Want You Back. Oh, Little baby yeah. Groot. It's the first introduction of baby Groot. And that iconic. one... Iconic. It's iconic, yeah. yeah. It's it's like, it might not be, you know, too much story or anything like that. It's iconic. Eight. I'd give it an eight. Yeah, that one's great. Iconic. Eight. I liked it before... A baby group became baby group because in before I, baby group became Chewbacca mom. <laughs> I hate I hate baby group and we'll get to oh, that man. later. Um, I'm not a big fan, and I also hate the cat from I hate Goose, uh, <laughs> but we'll get to that later. Yeah, uh, I I did I did like I, I like baby group, but I really liked this moment in the theater. It was it so is, fun yeah, to it watch. Very it was very adorable, oh, yeah. especially because he's he keeps stopping when, when right. Drax looks over yeah, at him. Yeah, so, yeah. Wonderful. Oh yeah, Howard the Duck. The the post credit scene one. is Howard the Duck. It's yeah it's it's uh, oh uh, man. It's the collector walking through his museum. Cos- we show Cosmo as well, right? Uh, walking over and licking 
uh, the collector, and then Howard the Duck being like, you know, saying it was gross or whatever. Yeah, which You're is fun. Let him lick your face. Yeah, disgusting. It's so good. And I mean, yeah. Seth Green was a pretty Seth Green's a pretty good choice for the voice of Howard. Um, it's interesting that he just is like uh, he's a cameo as well. Yeah, like yeah. Seth Green. Yeah, as Howard the Duck. Yeah. I love it. I, I, you know, what's great about that post-credit, my favorite part about the post-credit scene was the first time I saw that movie and we were waiting for the post-credit scene and then it came and it was like a packed, packed opening night yep. theater. And people being like, and, and, and what? And it, it, it happened and this guy just went, boo, boo, Howard the Duck, boo. <laughs> um, and I, it was, it was, I was laughing. I was cackling. <laughs> I'm, you know what? I'm proud of that guy. Yeah, good for him. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think that wraps up the Guardians talk. Uh, there's mean, one more thing yeah. that we failed to mention that is the one of the most important things of this movie. The, music. the most iconic is the yeah. music. That's true. The needle yeah. drops. Yeah. yeah. How have we not mentioned that? I don't know because it's um, that's what everybody loves so much oh, about yeah. it. Is the the, oh, um, the main talk yeah. was that it's a sci-fi movie. With 70s music. Yeah. And it's like, that's never been done. We've never well, seen that, that. And it's amazing. And it was such an innovative thing. And then it spawned like the worst trend in modern that's blockbusters. Because they always learn the wrong lesson. Exactly. Um, oh. I, so, so here's the thing about the music. So I, I love the music. Absolutely love the music. Yeah. Uh, but the setup for it, the, the opening scene is I hate. I don't like that scene. I hate that it's a pre pre credit scene. That it's a teaser. The yeah. cold open. Yeah. I hate that it's a cold open. It drives me up a wall. Yeah. I also hate um, the kid. I don't like the kid that plays young Peter Quill. Yeah. I don't think um, he's good. I'm anyway. indifferent to the kid. I don't. He's not around long enough That's for me true. to have an opinion. Of course. Um, but uh, I, I, so I don't like that. But I love that whole opening sequence of like where it just takes itself very seriously. And then he comes in, and then he plays the tape, and then he starts dancing. Yeah. Dancing, and it's just stuff. like. It's. I remember seeing when I saw that movie in 3D, like the Guardians of the Galaxy logo mm. when it pops up. It's like in that really, really wide shot where he's like super small, like in yep. the corner of the screen yep. dancing, and the huge Guardians of the Galaxy yep. logo. And it was like the best 3D I'd ever seen because yeah. like that title screen just, it's just enormous. It's huge I remember that, and it yeah. just pops out of the screen. Yep. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, and that is such a good opening sequence of just him, like just being like, it's, that's the one I thought you guys were talking about. That was terrible. And I was like, I, yeah. I loved it. Cause oh, it no, no, sets no. the tone oh, for yeah. the, the movie that's, and that, the yeah. character. That's, I love that scene. Yeah. I love that sequence. Yeah. I love him forgetting that he has a, uh, <laughs> he, he's got a booty call in the, in the <laughs> ship. Um, I it's just, so good. Oh, and so Jaiman Hansu, I mean, Jaiman Hansu, I feel like is one of the most underutilized actors in blockbuster. Yeah movies because he always just shows up with like a tiny role and then vanishes but he's so effing good in every single role he does jamin hansu is the greatest presence ever and i really like him as korath and obviously yeah. the who line is is just such an iconic one. Oh, it's it's so great because i you know it's it's perfect because no one knew who star lord was no one knew who yeah. guardians of the galaxy yeah. was and so you start it's your very POV first line. trailer yeah. of him just being like uh i'm star lord and he's like who mm-hmm. because like no, no one, one knew knows who the who hell, the hell, hell that is. was yep. yeah it's perfect legendary outlaw man it's perfect yeah. oh and i i do actually want to say the milano is one of a i mean the fact that it's called the milano is great yeah but it's also one of my favorite spaceship designs oh, yeah. ever, in and, and out. Like the interior of it, the weird ladder thing that yeah. they have, the way that when the engine revs up on that spaceship, it sounds like a car engine. Yeah. Like there's an actual like motor <laughs> revving sound. Yeah. So cool. The way that like that cool. they have the controls set up, it looks very tactile. Yeah. And I like it. I hate it when sci-fi stuff starts to get 
too sci-fi that it's like you don't even really know the mechanics of it. Right. And so I like it when I see sci-fi stuff where you can see the flaps moving, you can see the ship kind of changing direction, you can see how he's driving it. Yeah. Like it's 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 really good. Um, I also want to give a shout out to underrated performance because mm. it's something that no one ever really talks about. But like, I I really think Bradley Cooper is unrecognizable. Yes, as Rocket Raccoon. We we were talking about that yesterday. Is that you you cannot tell it's Bradley Cooper. No. You forget. Yeah. You know it's it's Rocket Raccoon. It's yeah. not Bradley and, Cooper. And it's really good. Like yeah. he's really good at yeah. that. Like he plays. Just regular Rocket mm-hmm. really well. He plays like drunk Rocket at that yep. one time, like yep. you know, and he just says stuff like where, where it's like that's not even a real laugh. It's real. <laughs> like it just it, it's so great. And yeah. then the the beat where Groot dies. Yep. He's heartbreaking. Yes. He gives a heartbreaking performance, but he never breaks being Rocket Ever. Raccoon. Yeah. And it, that, it's so good. It's it's incredible. And also, I mean, like and it's, like shout out to, to Sean Gunn. Yeah, Sean because Sean yeah. Gunn sells it physically and it's a right. very symbiotic relationship that the two have. Right. I uh, I it's one of those times where you you're reminded that Bradley Cooper studied acting for a long time yeah. before he was actually an actor, you know? Yeah. We're like, oh yeah, this guy actually like understands the mechanics of acting yeah he's not a hot guy that got some roles and kind of learned it along the way right he studied this right. you know huh. um and so it's 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 it is really good and i actually as we're talking about this of course rocket raccoon is one of the greatest characters ever put to film yes like in this movie especially stealing the guy's leg is such a great it's hilarious it's it's such a good random thing and then the payoff for it just being like oh yeah no i just i just needed these three things <laughs> this movie has the best like one-liner jokes yes out of any mm-hmm. of them like I, I don't know if that there's no like marvel quips yeah. it's just great jokes yeah like yeah jokes there's, are gonna go over his head nothing goes over my head <laughs> i'd catch it i'd catch it and every single character gets a really good line yep. I, i'd say except gamora but yeah gamora doesn't have too many well no kevin bacon just like kevin, or the the yeah is she the one that says we're just like kevin bacon yeah just yeah like kevin yeah that's bacon. a great line that's yeah. an amazing line and also why that's were the right. sticks up their butts and yeah uh, i who, who put the sticks up their butt <laughs> yeah no 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 jeez oh, it's so good um but i i i, I really I really like the humor in this movie. There are a few instances where it doesn't necessarily land. I think more so in volume two. More in volume two, for sure. In this movie, there's a few where it's like, now we're just a bunch of jerks standing in a circle. So, like, I I thought that one was like, eh. Oh, I I don't think it's a joke. It's more of like a, what the frick are we going to do now? Yeah. Yeah. It's just one of those things where I feel like you could just, you could have cut kind of like uh-huh. instead true. of instead of carrying it on and like yeah. doing that joke well like, but that that what's funny though is about you pinpointing that scene is that scene was rewritten like in the final draft that really? entire scene was written wow. in the final draft because joss whedon wrote it and read it and said there's not enough james gunn in this script interesting and james he was like you need more of you like there's not enough mm. you in this and so james gunn like looked back at it and he was like well i had this one like really short scene where they're deciding on what to do next mm. and I, he was so he extended into that whole scene yeah which with with the freaking great drax line of just of being like i'm sorry i wasn't paying attention to anything i was thinking, I was thinking <laughs> of something else <laughs> and I love that, that is an amazing line <laughs> i love i love the i was thinking of something else um and i do love drax like dave batista is just a tra- Treasure, and I love I love his like really intensely loyal relationship with James Gunn. Holy cow! It's wild. I, yeah. I Dave Bautista is great, and yeah. introducing the world to him, like well the film world to him was awesome for yeah. this movie. Um, and that character is incredible. Yeah, 
great movie all around super fun there's i have complaints but man i love this movie so yeah. much um i love that they destroy the milano in yep. the movie and then they just build them an exact an exact replica, replica. <laughs> I thought that was weird. I was I, like, what? I love that because they're too. just like, yeah, I mean, we like this ship. It's and a really we good ship. designed it, so <laughs> we're not going to do it again. We got toys coming out. Yeah, it's, I yeah, love that. It's oh, so good. Man. Uh, anyway, that, I think that's it for Guardians of the Galaxy. Scott, uh, plug, plug what you got going on. Uh, DuelingGenre.com. You can follow me on Twitter. at Scott Corelli. There you go. Boom. It's uh, all the all the minute by minute podcast that Scott's got. You got to go listen to him. Listen to Geek by Night. Listen to the Doctor's Companion. Uh, and uh, for us, you can follow us on social media at That Might Be Cool. Uh, you can support us on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash that might be cool. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at uh, Jason Halftones. And you can follow Chase at High Speed Chase. With a C, not an S. There's literally no con on there, content on there, so yeah, nothing. If you want eventually, you eventually, I'll convince Chase to start tweeting. I know, I'll, I eventually, he'll we'll put out see. so many we'll thoughts. We'll see. <laughs> uh, but uh, thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time for Avengers: Age bye of bye. Ultron. Bye bye. That might be cool. You never know. <laughs>